It is Friday, May 12, 2023. You're listening to The Dark Doorway. I'm your host, Mark Bolden, coming at you from Florida, USA, the gun-shaped state, the home of Mickey Mouse and all things South. We have a very special Dark Doorway for you this evening. We've got a roundtable of sorts. We're going to be talking about cryptids, more specifically the ever-so-elusive cryptid known as Sasquatch. Maybe you refer to him as Bigfoot if you're from the Pacific Northwest. Maybe if you're here in Florida, you call him the Skunk Ape. Maybe if you're listening to us from the land down under, you refer to him as the Yowie. Or if you're a Sherpa, maybe you call him a Yeti. Either way, he has many names. He's ever elusive. And we have some very special guests that are going to chime in on the topic. From the Old World Paranormal Society, we have Miss Liz Hawk. From the Old World Paranormal Podcast, we have Mr. Nick Carboni, Mr. Sean Coletta. And from the Squatch Me Now YouTube channel and website, we have Trey. Trey's an expert on the topic, and it's going to be awesome to hear some of the insights that he may have. So make sure if you haven't done so yet, you follow us, you like and subscribe, do whatever you have to do to make sure you don't miss any future episodes of the dark doorway and we'll be right back at you after this brief message if you're fascinated by the paranormal and you like this podcast then please support us by subscribing to the dark doorway on itunes google play or your favorite podcast app you can also like us on facebook or visit us on darkdoorway.com now turn down the lights and back to the program So very briefly, since we've recorded this a couple of times and had some technical issues, <laughs> let's go around and everybody just give a, a very brief int- introduction of and tell everybody who you are and what you do. And we'll start out with Nick. Let's go with you this time. All right, Mark. Let's do it. Round three. Let's go. Let's kick some butt here. Third, third yeah. time's a charm, man. Let's do this. I'm Nick Carboni. I'm the founder of Old World Paranormal Society and Podcast. Sean. My name is Sean Coletta. I am also part of the Old World Paranormal Podcast with Nick and part of the Old World Paranormal Society Paranormal Investigation Group. All righty, Liz. I'm Liz Hawk. I am on another Old World Paranormal Society author, one of the original founding members. That is true. <laughs> Lies. Yeah, glad to be here. And one of my good friends. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Trey, it looks like you're unmuted. You want to give it a shot? Sure, am I right side up? Sideways. Sideways. Now what? Hey, we got your audio, brother. That's all we need. <laughs> That's the important thing. Yeah, I just like seen something on social media about turn off all your apps microphones so you know big brothers are listening and of course like this caused the whole issue. And now when I came back, now I'm sideways. So I guess I'm just sideways in general. I run Squatch Me Now. It's a social media platform focused on curating the best evidence of Bigfoot. Awesome. So one of the reasons why we asked Trey to join us is because even though there's a lot of stories about Sasquatch, we, you know, I think a lot of us have heard the stories. I mean, going all the way back to our first encounters of seeing the Patterson-Gimlin film out of Bluff Creek, which kind of made everybody's jaw drop and it's always been a major source of controversy. I personally think that that's a, a valid, valid video. And of course, there's a lot of supporting evidence that says it is it is valid that it's not a person in a costume so 
I think that's a, a good topic to start out with, with is Bigfoot, is the uh, the Bigfoot topic. Now, for a lot of you who may believe, may not believe that there's this uh, giant uh, six to 10 foot tall, probably bigger three to 400 pound humanoid walking around in the Pacific Northwest or in Australia, they call it the Yowie and then was it the Himalayas, they call it the Yeti and so forth. This has always been a source of controversy. You know, we've heard stories come out about out of Vietnam about the rock apes that, you know, even that the American soldiers and even the Vietnamese soldiers encountered. We've heard stories about these things that seem to have a big problem with, you know, hunters and people with guns in general. And then there's been people that have have had, you know, just scares where they, they seem to just chase people out of the out of the area. And Trey, I, I think this is a good place to start to start with you because you know, one of the things that I did notice is some of the stories is where people would have somewhat peaceful encounters in some cases. In other cases, people just seem to be chased out of there. And and by all means, this thing could catch you in a heartbeat. But it, it seemed to just keep its distance. So it was more interested in just getting people out of the area. I'm not sure if it just looks at humans as a threat or just as an undesirable in its domain. What are What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a big question, bigger than you might think. There's certainly, as far as, you know, I think we're dealing with something that's humanoid here. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we're dealing with, you know, and there's a lot of back and forth on this, but I think that we're dealing with something that's likely part of our origin story, if you will. So they're going to be a lot like us. You know, they're going to be some ones that are more violent and some ones that aren't violent. We certainly have in folklore, whether it be European folklore or Native American folklore or, you know, Tibetan folklore, mythology or whatever it might be, stories of more violent encounters with these creatures. And I think that we're really dealing with something that is beyond just one specific species. You know, I think we're dealing with a variety of genetic lineages that are, have carried on since the early days of what brought us about, you know, so the early days of development of bipedal primates that, that created us. So I don't think we're dealing with all, even not only we're dealing with individuals within a species that might be, have different, you know, leanings towards violence or or not, but we're dealing with completely different genetic lineages and hybridized lineages. So what we're dealing with is unpredictable, just like we are. You know, that, that actually, that's pretty interesting because that was, that was, that was something that I never considered is the fact that if you look at them and say that, you know, you're dealing with a a society of these cryptids, that they could be like people, that some could be temperamental, some could be more docile and more open to human contact. And, you know, that there, that there's different emotional states of these right here. Sure. And. You know, I'm just, and I'm curious too. Like, for example, of of you three, have you, if you ever, have you ever like gone out in the woods, gone camping, and absolutely, have you ever considered like what might happen if you ran into one of these things, or have you ever been curious about that? We we well, been primitive camping. I don't know, at least twenty times. I'll I'll always take a gun with me, <laughs> just in case. You don't know what's gonna go out of the woods. Oh yeah. Could be a Bigfoot, could be, you know, some people cooking meth in the forest. You just never know. <laughs> could be Bigfoot c- cooking meth. <laughs> that too, that's even. Well, when we went camping at Seven Pillars, we came across some waters that essentially have like built a home and there's a bunch of propane tanks. So who knows what's going on back there? So, I mean, yeah. you really have no idea what's going to come at you. <laughs> you know, I think one of the big things is that 
you know, especially in some of these, you know, e- eastern parts of the country, all the heavily forested areas, I don't think people realize how big this country is, you know, is, and especially for people like Trey, you know, especially people that are going out there searching for these creatures, they're not going to be easy to find. I mean, you know, these forests are so dense, you know, the mountains, like mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be going down to, you know, through Tennessee and Kentucky here over the weekend. And I just don't think that people appreciate how big these areas are. And if there are these creatures out there, they've adapted to these areas. They know how to hide. If they've ever seen human beings before. But but why hide? Why hide? You know, I, I they're tremendously bigger than us. It's like us killing a rat. You know, yeah. and why hide? That's what I was. I mean, is it like the the fear of extinction? Was there a higher population before? And um, I don't know. See this 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 dives into this dives into another another area. You mentioned why hide, and this 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 will be probably a controversial area and and I, I'm really interested I'm really interested to see what you think about this one Trey you know there's always been you know that that whole thing they say oh well you know where are these things why you know why are they hiding or why can't we find a dead one why don't we find any bones or any remains I know that there's been cases where they found you know scat and where they found tissue samples or hair and then you know, it seems like whenever they do a some type of DNA test, it always comes back the same way, unknown primate, unknown primate. And for a lot of people, this inconclusive type evidence isn't enough for them because you always have the, you know, it's sort of like they want to see a body is what they want. That, that'll be, that'll be the, 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 that'll be the undeniable proof that skeptics want is they want to see a body or a live one, obviously. So then the question is why, why are they so elusive? How are they so elusive? You know, some of the things that uh, I found interesting, and like I said, this is this will be definitely. I, I want to throw this into into Trey's court on this one is because there's been theories that we're dealing with an interdimensional. There are people that see these these visual anomalies in the forest. There's been cases where one of them has moved through the trees, and then all of a sudden, it's like they just vanished. And the way I've explained, you know, we know from, for example, from dealing with like a, just simple in physics, like when you're talking about M theory, you know, suppose 13, like 13 possible dimensions. And you say, well, how, why would, you know, how could something like this be sophistic, sophisticated enough to move through dimensions? And the way I kind of explained it was in simple terms, I gave this thought experiment, which is if let's say, Liz, your, your dimension is living room, right? And this is your dimension, you know, couch, you know, you know, TV, you know, everything of living room. <clears throat> and my dimension is, <clears throat> excuse me, living room kitchen. I'm staying in, standing in the kitchen. I'm looking through this doorway and I see you in the living room. I'm like, what the hell is she doing in there? I walk through the doorway and, I'm, and I say hi to you. But from your perspective, you just saw me walk out of a wall mm-hmm. into your world. And I'm talking to you. You freak out. You scream. I'm like, hey, I don't want anything to do with this. She's crazy. I walk back into the kitchen. <laughs> You see me turn and walk to the wall and vanish through a wall. But to me, I didn't vanish through a wall. I just walked into the kitchen. So if if Sasquatch is an interdimensional, being able to move between dimensions to it may be just something totally natural. But to us, it's something fantastic. 
And I'm wondering if these visual distortions that we see when people wonder if it has the ability to cloak, if if for it that's just a defense mechanism or if it literally just genuinely doesn't want anything to do with people. You know, we maybe we represent a threat. Maybe maybe it considers us less, you know, a lesser species than, than them for yeah, all. That's one thing I've noted. All the videos that we've seen, to me, they just look extremely annoyed. Like, why are you recording me? Why are you looking at me? It just seems just unbothered and annoyed and just dumb it away. Like you said, doesn't want anything to do with it. Hey, I mean, they could clearly overpower us and catch us if they wanted to. What, what do you think, Trey? Do you think this is that we might be dealing with something that has the ability to move through dimensions, or is it just a simple animal? Well, I don't think... Well, first of all, I think, you know, you're talking about quantum physics a little bit there. And in that sense, we're all interdimensional, right? But, you know, I think there's a lot, I've thought about this a lot. You know, he brought up cloaking and I think there's a lot of different explanations for that kind of stuff with scientific precedent. But if you just want to talk about moving between dimensions, you know, obviously not every witness encounter has that sort of story. We There are a lot of people that talk about them just disappearing, but you ever been out in the woods and you see, I mean, a deer can disappear into some heavy foliage pretty quickly and seem like it just vanished. But yeah, I mean, we talk a lot, I look a lot into the technology aspect of this in terms of, I come from a filmmaking background, so I, I look a lot at camera technology and that sort of thing. And a lot of people talk about, can they perceive electromagnetic fields coming off of your equipment? If they can, we know that the earth has certain energy points, right? Yeah. And, and we think that these energy points, in some cases, the veil might get thin, if you will. There there might be a place where these energy points are creating enough of a, of a disturbance that you might have sort of a, a gray area where we can move in between, you know, sort of like the, the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, yeah. And that sort of thing, or certain conditions are right. So let's say those points exist and there are portal entrances, if you will, at certain times or whatever, and, and these creatures can see these electromagnetic fields, then perhaps they can see those spots and, and jump into them. Maybe they can perceive them. You know, the human eye can only see a very tiny percentage of what's around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see like 0.003% of all light. So, yeah, I certainly think it's possible that they could be adapted to to move within that that space i i think we might actually be dealing with at least in some cases you know i said there may be various genetic lineages but in some cases i think we might be dealing with creatures that are actually more highly evolved than us and that doesn't necessarily mean from a technological aspect but i often ask people the question as humans what would we have become had we not leaned on the crutch of civilization had we not leaned on this crutch of civilization and technology because we know that evolution comes from difficulty and what we're basically doing the civilization technology is stifling in some way or at least one path of evolution for us as humans so you know people talk about mind speak and all these other sort of woo factor aspects of the bigfoot phenomenon but i think a lot of them could be addressed with you know to certain evolutionary paths and adaptations that occurred from a creature that never needed to depend on tools or all the things that we now use to sort of 
patch up what what could be telepathy you know cell phones and what we're doing right yeah. now so yeah i think there's a lot a lot of possibility I, I try to think of this as a very big scope i tell people you need to think bigger about bigfoot it's not as it's not as cut and dry as people want to people really will try to put it in a box and i think it's a lot bigger and, you know and it's a it's a gateway to a lot of other stuff you know we're talking about cryptids in general here but it's a gateway topic to a lot of different paranormal subject matter so cloaking could come from a lot of different things you know if you look at the hair of a bigfoot you know what people may be perceiving as it moving in or in and out of dimensions if if that's really a, a cloaking modality then what is the cloaking how is that working well if we look at bigfoot hair they don't have that standard it's very different than all other animal hair it doesn't have that standard medulla and so I think about fiber optics, you know, I, I talked about technology a little bit. I think a lot about fiber optics and, and what, how that works. And, you know, if they're sending electrical signals from their brain through their nervous system, we see that when our hair stand up on our arms, right? Now that's actually affecting the, the follicle itself or the, the pores. But if you're able to send electrical signals from the brain to, you know, the hairs, let's say, Perhaps that is, you know, creating a chameleon-like effect. Perhaps they can they can send something to those hairs that makes it reflect light. Yeah. Maybe it sends something that makes it absorb light. We do a little bit of both there, and that creates a sort of cloaking effect for them. I don't know, man. I don't have any answers for you, to be honest. I just have a lot of questions, and I like thinking about it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, because, uh, you know, and, you know, and you guys want to, chime in on this one because there's also been you know for example you know you you've heard about like the the research that was done by like the, the nits team at skinwalker ranch for example and and some of the things that they talked about at skinwalker ranch well if you're not familiar for those of the out those of you out there who are not familiar skinwalker ranch is this area in utah that you went to base in it's it's known to be an area with a tremendous amount of high strangeness going on and, it, and it's considered to be a parent one of the most one of the, probably the biggest paranormal hotspot on the face of the planet and what's causing it we don't know but it's pretty interesting because even when you look at back back at the events that the sherman family experienced when they owned the ranch uh there were instances where there were shadow people there were shapeshifters there were bigfoot type creatures running around then ufos unidentified lights in the sky and so at some point robert bigelow formed a scientific team he called nids the national institute of discovery sciences they went out there they set up camp they used live cattle as biomarkers. There were cattle mutilations, and they did a ton of research. And a lot of the research is still classified. And I know that, for example, like George Knapp did a, a documentary with, I don't remember if it was Corbell who did the documentary. It wasn't Jeremy Corbell. But anyway, they did the documentary, Hunt for the Skinwalker, and they talked about a lot of the things that happened. And the reason why I bring this up is because <clears throat> there's there's been times where there have been correlations or proposed correlations between Sasquatch and UFO activity, which I always found pretty amazing, where people might see UFOs in the area. And 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 believe it or not, I actually have some possible theories about why that might be, which I'll discuss in a minute. But obviously, when you talk about areas of high strangeness like Skinwalker Ranch, you kind of put these things together. I mean, there was one story where... I guess a, one of the researchers was looking through binoculars this nighttime and he sees this orb or this light forming the sky. And as it got wider and wider, he happened to notice there was blue sky through this opening. 
and he saw a beast that can only be described as a squat says a sasquatch climb out of the opening and take off into the darkness and then the portal was gone and even on the new show with travis taylor and brandon fugel that you know they bought the property and they had dragon and eric bard and the rest of the team it's been some pretty unbelievable and i don't mean unbelievable as it you know hoaxes i mean there's been some insanely unbelievable things that they've caught on camera there that's been taking place right now that's pretty amazing it's really compelling so i start to wonder is there a correlation between ufos and and bigfoot what do you guys think absolutely 100 percent. 100 percent. i look at it all you know obviously i'm not a strong background as you guys in the cryptid area Mm-hmm. We were looking at the spiritual side of things of, of ghosts or spirits or, or, you know, elements or anything like that. We always refer back to the energy. Yeah. Yeah. And th- this is going to sound weird, but we always reference and we kind of joke about this with the whole Star Wars thing. You know, how we talk about energy with humans and spiritual world, this or that. Mm-hmm. We joke, you know, the whole concept of force be with you in Star Wars. Yeah. Kind of same concept. So hear me out on this. Okay. Okay. You have Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a beast-like creature. Now, there was a whole society of them at one point, right? Oh, Wookiees, Nick. Wookiees, whatever. Hey, you're lucky I'm on this podcast, Sean. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but you think it in that aspect, okay, mm-hmm. why can't these things, they're all kind of similar, but a little different around, around the world. Yep. Okay going back through generations and generations with these legends, mm-hmm. you know, then you have the gray, gray man, green man, moth man, what, you know, to me, if I have to look at it and understand it, I think they're all legit, but I, if it's interdimensional or extraterrestrial, it, it has to be one of those. That's just my, my thoughts, opinions on it. Yeah. Liz? She's awake. Yeah, that's not totally good. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think there's a relation. Because a lot of times, a lot of the UFO and Sasquatch sightings, don't they tend to happen around the same time? Like a lot of times there's one event and then similarly is another. Yeah, it seems like that they that they do happen around the same time in a lot of cases. Like I said, the people who see lights in the sky and so forth. There's actually been stories, too, where people saw, reported seeing like a beam of light, and then the Sasquatch was gone. Mm-hmm. So. Or maybe they maybe they can manipulate both. You know, as Trey said with, with talking with the hair follicles, if their senses, the way their, their brain or whatever fires, and they're able to use hair follicles as like almost like sensors mm-hmm. or, or can deflect light. And how we see it, or this or that, and it makes it look like we're we're they're disappearing. All of it is feasible. Yeah. But as far as the skinwalker is concerned, I that to me that is the most fascinating story. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about the Native American tribes out, you know, south southwest, mm-hmm. and, and how afraid they were. Oh yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, they. You know, it, it's yeah. You're you're definitely dealing with you're definitely dealing with something that you know even even they didn't want to didn't want to encounter and and uh, yeah. So is it a skin? 
I honestly think, you know, and again, I, I'm going to, you know, I hate to interrupt you, but yeah, I lose this train of thought. I, I kind of put the category of Skinwalker Ranch kind of no different than the Bermuda Triangle, the Alaskan Triangle. I believe there's one in northern Canada. There's 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 these, these areas all over the globe. Mm-hmm. There's something about the energy that we just do not comprehend. We don't understand it. Yep. We might We might not get it right now. It might be another 50 years for us to understand it, you know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe we get a tip from something, you know, interdimensional, extraterrestrial that, that gives us the, you know, the education to, to create something so we do understand it. Trey, what are your thoughts on on, on, on UFOs? You know, it could be as simple as, you know, UFOs are abducting cows and horses and people. <laughs> Why wouldn't they... You know, you could get in the ancient alien theory of they created us or, you know, they've been messing with us for a long time. Why wouldn't they mess with Bigfoot too? But, you know, there's a story out of South America of two guys see this saucer land and this big Bigfoot. This is like in the 70s or 50s, maybe it was a long time ago. Bigfoot comes out and kind of walks around a little bit and gets back on his ship and flies off. So. You know, who knows? But I also like to think about, you know, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Dale Russell's work. Dale Russell was a paleontologist in the 80s and 90s. And he came up with this theory about the dinosauroid. And he he actually discovered several dinosaurs. And one was this one called the Trudon or the Trodon. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but it was a small raptor type dinosaur. And they did this sort of speculative biology thought experiment on what that, if that dinosaur hadn't died, and it really had no reason to, because even in a cataclysmic event, its food source, which was small rodents, we know survived. And so it would have had something to continue to eat. And his theory was that it continued to live and would have developed into this sort of bipedal creature that looks a lot like what we talk about when we talk about reptilians. And even looks a little bit like a reptilian version of a gray alien. So I tend to think that, you know, the bipedal form might be a optimal form for a certain phase of evolution for all life forms or many life forms on this planet when they reach a certain, you know, level of intelligence or evolution or whatever you want to call it. So who knows? You know, we're talking about cryptids today, a lot of bipedal, dog man, Bigfoot lizard man all these all these different things how many of them <laughs> yeah and and what you know are these ufos actually even interdimensional or extraterrestrial are they not just from here we were talking about earlier where does bigfoot you know what would dinosaurs they've had 60 million years to evolve what would they have developed technologically at this point and would have had time to develop before we ever even came on this planet? You know, they, we see all these undersea bases, underground bases, blah, blah, yeah. blah. You know, they could be, they could be right here and have always been right here. You know, that's what, you know, Native Americans and a lot of cultures around the world have serpent gods. And we know dinosaurs in the late Cretaceous, many had feathers on their head. I think it's often interesting to see that some of the, the shamans and and the chieftains of of these early cultures wore feathers on their heads, which might have been indicative of their gods that they came to teach them the ways, which you know we we see in almost every culture. So, were these you know reptilian gods really just 
dinosaurs <laughs> that have evolved, had 60 more million years to evolve and, and they have always been here and they still are. And so would that also have applied to other life forms that maybe took a different route or were here longer than, than we have been? Mm. Whether, you know, whatever it might be. If you look at Dogman, whales and wolves had a common a- ancestor, which I think is interesting because they both communicate in a very similar way. And so maybe perhaps that common ancestor continued to evolve into something that was bipedal and wolf-like. So, you know, when we're talking about all this stuff that's going on, you know, we asked the question, where did Bigfoot go? Well, yeah. and we mentioned Tennessee and Kentucky earlier. There's a lot of caves. There's a lot of caves. There's a lot of caves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah. caves all around the world that are completely unexplored. And there's, you know, I think we've probably seen more of our oceans than we've seen of a lot of the cavernous systems. If you look at a karst map, which mm-hmm. is basically limestone that, that erodes into, into caverns. There's a lot of potential for a lot of space under the under this the ground that we walk on for a lot of things to be living down there. And uh, I think there's a lot more going on than we we know about. Right. So on that note, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back because I'm going to go ahead and refresh this. Hold tight. Have you ever dreamed about luxury living at an affordable price? Well, now is the time to realize that dream. Welcome to a unique destination in Punta Cana. Laramar City and Resort is located in a privileged enclave such as the Cliff of Viren, 100 meters above the sea, and where you can enjoy dream views of Punta Cana and the Caribbean. On the edge of the cliff, it will feature a set of artificial beaches and a Mediterranean-style promenade of more than three kilometers, with shops, swimming pools, lagoons, and restaurants. Under the cliff, there is a protected ecological cordon. Liramar brings together wonderful views and all the services and amenities, always surrounded by an extraordinary natural environment. Liramar City and Resort will have a spectacular golf course designed under international standards and adapted to all levels of golfers, from beginners to experienced players. It will also have a first-class country club that will be the ideal complement to the golf course, which will have modern sports and social facilities for the use and enjoyment of all members. It's artificial beaches, infinity pools, and a spectacular Mediterranean-style promenade that backbone everything. Join endless exclusive amenities in leisure, sport, culture, and health to discover. Get to know all the amenities and locations offered by Liramar City and Resort. Visit us now at 2brpro.com for more information or follow the links in the show notes of this podcast for more information. Okay, we're back from the break, and we were talking about Sasquatch being an interdimensional, and Trey was going to tell us all about why he knows where Sasquatch is disappearing to. Go on. <laughs> oh, no, I was just saying, I, you know, I think that there's a, there's a lot of places to hide. Yeah, you know, it's the Sasquatch right here. <laughs> you know, this is there's there's a couple of there's a couple of takeaways that that I that I that I that I gained from this, right? So, just to let you know, I I do study this stuff a lot. Right. But a couple of the takeaways that, that immediately struck me is just the fact that, you know, mannerisms, emotions, they could have certain ways, just like you mentioned, they could be just like a regular society. So some are, some could be temperamental, some could be nice and so forth. But yeah, you know, maybe they're not cloaking. Maybe there are just, you brought up a good point, you know, a, a deer could disappear into the bushes and into the, into the foliage and then it's just gone. And from our perspective, is it like the, 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 you know, me walking from the living room to the kitchen, it just, you know, disappeared through some bushes and no, it, it vanished. Maybe it didn't vanish. <laughs> the cave systems. You know, that there was a, 
And I don't know if you guys remember this story. Wasn't there a story? I seem to recall Native American, Native American story where they said that they lived alongside Sasquatch and these, these, these Sasquatch. And, and at some point, I don't know if they said that, and this is where I got to go back and, and re-up my research. If, if that, if there was some type of either, you know, a conflict between the, between the, between the Native Americans and the Sasquatch or what the case was, but apparently there was, they had a falling out. And I seem to recall this this story taking place where they they seem to have the, the, this falling out between the Native Americans and the Sasquatch, and you know, and they were relegated to caves and and going into hiding. That there that there was this conflict. Do you remember hearing something? Do any of you remember hearing something about that story? The house familiar? Yeah, there's there's a story out of the Southwest of cannibal red haired giants. Yeah, I want to I want to say the the Sitka, but I'm not. I may be pronouncing that wrong. Anyway, but they were, but this is not uncommon. This is this is not just in the Southwest. These, you know, you have the Janosqua and the Northeast that the Sioux were dealing with, or not the Sioux, the but, but didn't that, Iroquois, didn't that, Iroquois didn't, were dealing. But didn't that end up with them trapping them in a cave and uh, yeah. setting setting a fire? And then I, I know at yeah. one point that that they that some people did say they found bones or something, and then supposedly the you know the the, the Smithsonian took took things away, and then said, oh, we don't know what happened to the bones or you know something. I mean, there's always stories behind it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I seem to recall that. There's even handprints on that cave, giant handprints, where they think the oil from the hands kind of melted out and burnt into the side of the wall. But there's even more modern stories. Mount Saint Helens. There's stories of when that exploded in the 80s that they took bodies, the government took bodies off the mount, off the mountain there. So there's bodies, there's been bodies. We haven't seen them, but there's been bodies for sure. There's been, there's many stories, people hitting these things with cars, shooting them. Yeah. You know, if you ever shot a deer and it's a bad shot and they get away, you can very easily never find them again, which is very unfortunate. But now you take that and make it a 10 foot tall, densely muscled, primate of some kind and you you know even a modern deer rifle may not be enough if it's not a well-placed shot so or even if it is so you know there there have been many accounts of them being shot and, and sort of stumbling away and, and, and getting away and perhaps they crawled off somewhere and died anyone that spends a lot of time in the woods i don't see a whole lot of corpses i don't see a whole lot of now I live in the in the southeast, which is basically a temperate rainforest, so things go away pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, and we have this place where I am right now is crawling with black bear. Someone just sent me a picture of one or a little video of one where he was fishing right down the road. I mean, literally less than a quarter mile from where I'm sitting right now. Just saw it a couple hours ago before we started this. I've never seen a bear carcass. All right, so uh, yeah. So let's pose an ethical question because like time, time is getting short. So I want to get everybody off on their own at a, a decent hour. So I, I wanted to throw an ethical question out there and this was, and we'll, we'll start with Nick on this since he's on mute. <laughs> so here's the, the question is this, right? We see shows that are kind of over the top, like mountain monsters, I think is an over, over the top show. And then, then you see some that are, that take a little bit more of a scientific approach to finding out if the scripted is really out there. But one of the things that that always bothered me is you have folks out there who are actually trying to actively hunt this thing. 
they feel the only way to prove it is to bring back a bot. Right. So they're they're out there trying to try. And, I, you know, I know that there's been some places, too, where they even have signs up saying, you know, you know, it's 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 illegal to kill one, you know, and then people go, well, if it's not real, you know, it's a big deal. So what are your thoughts? I mean, this this should be. Should this even be taking place? It's no different than the, you know, the paranormal field on, on my side being the shows on TV versus what I'm doing, what we're doing, teams like ours. Um, it's no different. What's on TV, whatever you see, unless you're watching a documentary or something, that's more apt to be a little bit more real. I think that's the scientific approach you were talking about, mm-hmm. but that's entertainment. TV's entertainment. If, you know, in, in, in regards to cryptid, cryptids, you know, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, you know, you name it down the line. I'm more apt to pay attention to gentlemen like Trey. Yeah. That are doing the groundwork, the real work. They're trying to find religious answers and stuff like that. I mean, that's kind of my my point of view on it, to be honest. All right, so removing the TV show aspect of it, because, you, you know, that stuff is over the top. What about the What about the folks who actually do go out there with intent to hunt and kill to bring back a body of one of these things? I, you know, honestly, it is what it is. Yeah. And but to me, on the other hand, like, I don't think, I think understanding it would be more being able to capture it alive to really understand it. I mean, you kill it. Yeah, you have it. But how much other than biologically are you going to learn about it? Well, they're, they're, <laughs> we're scared. We're scared to death of them. We don't know what's going to happen if we catch one alive. I mean, am I wrong? Yeah. I mean, we don't know what's going to happen if we catch a demon. I mean, other than <laughs> get possessed and, and die. But, I mean, it's, to me, it seems like the same type of concept. I, I'm, I guess I'm thinking that if, you, if you're dealing with, you know, if, if you're talking about something that is an ancestor to humans, right, to, to modern homo sapiens, and, you, and it's, okay. you know, is this something that would be, I know this is a stretch, but is it akin to almost a type of murder? You're killing something that's almost human in some way, like a wild man or something like that. I mean, is that, should that be deemed acceptable to, you know, I drag one of these things out of the woods, right? And I pull up, I got this this truck and I, I whip open the back of the truck and I said, hey world, I finally got one and I flip it over and it's a carcass and this thing has been riddled with bullets. How should I be? How should I be looked at in society? I mean, it wasn't a self de- self defense in this case. I just killed it to get proof. Morally, ethically, probably no. But I don't think it's morally and ethically okay to go over and hunt elephants for their tusks. But True. people do it anyways. Yeah. Somebody's going to do it. Yeah. Somebody don't care. I mean, that's why I kind of said it is what it is. Me personally, I'm with Liz. Let's catch one. Yeah. You know? alive per se but i mean ethically no i would say no what do you think sean that if that time ever comes for for something like this i think it's only going to take one person killing one one time i don't think it'd be like it wouldn't be hunting for sport for example yeah you know i think it's here it is mystery solved study this, you know, do what you got to do. There's no need to kill anymore. 
because now we finally have that. Yeah. So I don't really think, I don't really think that would be a huge issue after somebody really got one. But what's to say, let's go back to Trey's theory of, like the advanced technology, if one does happen to die, that that cloaking mechanism that it possibly has kicks in and then the body's gone. Yeah. So that's a thought. That's another yeah. I it, I just remember stories, you know, where and I and I and I go back to the the stories that came out of Vietnam that you know, just coming, just now coming to light. I remember stories about where they, where there was a, one of the beasts and they, they killed it. In this case, it was obvious, it was obvious self-defense and it was, it was attacking, but what happened was they killed it. And then all through the night, they heard the wails in the jungle of the, of what they could only figure out that it must've been its mate. And it was these sorrowful wails. And, 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 and of course, when more daylight came, they got the hell out of there. They, it was a, it was a recon team. They got the hell out of there. And, you know, so you're, probably clearly dealing with something that has emotion or an emotional attachment to a mate. We see that they have these, you know, families, you know, that there's, that they're family units, you know, a male, a female and small ones. So I guess what I'm looking for is it, I, I personally, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't know what to think about that one. I think is it's, a, I think morally it's probably wrong to deliberately go out and hunt one just for proof. If there is some way to bring one back or get some type of indisputable proof, that would be great. Because technically, if everybody on this chat right now came back and said, I, I saw Mark run down an old lady with his with his Mustang and then he went through her purse and took her took her wallet, took off, I I'd be up the creek. They would they would throw me in jail quick as you know, eyewitness testimony. I'd be like, What are you smoking? <laughs> <laughs> Liz would be like, Look, split whatever you got out the purse and I'll think twice about it. no, just but the but the thing is you know, if you have a number of, of credible eyewitnesses, then generally that's enough to put to put somebody at the scene of a crime and 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 render a guilty verdict. So, why is it that we as a society know that there's been thousands and thousands of sightings of these things all over the world? So you're talking about crossing geological, you know, socio-geological barriers. You know, different languages, different parts of the world, similarities in the way they look but with adaptations based on their environment, like when you look at the Yeti. So if if all of these witnesses have seen these things, right, ridiculed, bring, they come forward, they get ridiculed for it. So you're not, they're, they're not doing it for fame and fortune. And then when you go back and you see drawings that, that Native Americans and other folks have done to these things, why is it that the only acceptable proof is a corpse? It would it would seem like there, there's enough. <laughs> I was muted. I had something I was going to fire back. I was like, we haven't found any fecal matter. Yeah, well, yeah. There's been there's been fecal matter. There's been tissue. There's been fur. But usually, when they do genetic testing, and, and I'm quite sure Trail chime in on this, they always say the same thing: un, unknown primate, unknown primate. I have so the concept of it is too much for a majority of mankind to grasp that this can be real that's why they need that body that's why they need a need a corpse and just people saying they've seen it or videos it's just not enough because it's just too far-fetched of an idea for them 
So that bonds you. So it's so basically, it's a shock to the reality. So they'd rather just they want something. Yeah. They want extreme proof before they would accept it as, you know, usurping their 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 conception of what what what's real and what's not. So yeah. just to just to close it out, Trey, what do you, what are your thoughts on this one? You know, what I'd like to see first is people actually get into the field with the right equipment that we need to at least get good visual evidence. Most people are out there with cell phones, GoPros, and, you know, you know, thermals and all this stuff, which is great. But what you really need is a long lens. Nobody's out there with like a 400 to 600 millimeter lens. We need to really be looking at what wildlife photographers do. If you look at what wildlife photographers do, and, you know, nobody's even done this much you know all this millions of dollars are being put into these tv programs and nobody has any real intention to get quality evidence it's it's a bunch of nonsense basically yeah and what you really need is to put people in the environment you know we have plenty of data to see where these things should be you know i think you could easily just follow white-tailed deer migration patterns and, and, and get sit on some trails and some waterways and, and you'd be where you need to be but we need people in deer stands so they're up above you know get their scent up in the air and they need to have long lenses which is what you know look at the photographers on the side of a football field that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about yeah and then there are some non-lethal options that I think if you can have really good corroborating visual evidence, so you're shooting video, you know, with a full frame camera with a 600 millimeter lens on it, and right beside you is a guy with a trank gun but or a, a dart gun that has a, you know, they have darts now that will actually take a DNA sample, tissue sample, and this dart also has a GPS tracker on it. So you dart this subject, it, you get your DNA sample, eventually the dart falls out. All you have to do is find the dart at that point. Mm-hmm. The dart mm-hmm. has taken the sample. You just track it with your GPS, you you get that dart. Now you could also always, you know, it's hard to judge what the dosage would be if you wanted to, to trank it, but you know, worst case scenario is you kill it with too much. But I think that's honestly, mm-hmm. I have a feeling their metabolism is pretty serious. So I, I think even if you over, if you over dosed a bit, you know, you sort of got a high, set it for a pretty high dose. I think you're going to probably, it's not going to be out long. So if yeah. you could have this corroborating visual evidence, have a team on the, that can at least get to the ground pretty quick when it goes down and get the visual evidence you need, get the DNA evidence you need, maybe put a tracker of some kind on it and, basically catch and release that's the way it can so you're definitely more and more non-lethal yeah so, i mean any yeah. any any way any way you could do it without having to kill the specimen obviously is the way to go and if you could put a tracker on if you can drink it and put a tracker on it then you know where it's going you know where the rest of them are you can find out where it's headed at least it gets until it gets pretty deep underground and you lose that signal but we're not like i said we're not even out in the field the people that most people that are out in the field aren't out with the right equipment because they're more trying to exploit the subject and say, Ooh, I hear something over there. Ooh, I hear something over there. And they're, you know, they got GoPros and, and thermals, which thermals are great, but technically it really could be anything in a lot of cases, you know, you're not getting a clear image of what you're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, drones are far away. You can, you can't, I fly a drone. You can't 
really get in a thick canopy. You can't get down in a thick canopy. You can't sneeze very well. And if you want to actually fly it down into the canopy, it's very difficult. You're going to get caught up in some branches and you're going to crash your drone. I've done it many times. So I, you know, I think we really need to be almost like, almost like hunting. You need to be, get your setup high. You need a long lens on a good camera. That alone, I think would be much better as far as getting visual evidence. Now, on the other hand, most people aren't, it's very hard. These people that are getting this Arctic, rare Arctic fox are sitting out there for 10 years in the snow, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a for one shot, just for one shot of this Arctic yeah. fox. So that's what, that's the kind of situation we're talking about here. We need an army of people doing that set all over the world to, to really get the imagery that we want. And the people that are just randomly having these random encounters and get cell phone videos, that's great. I post them on my page, but most cell phones have a 24 millimeter lens, which is extremely wide. So, you know, I'm working on a documentary right now. I've been working on it for a couple of years now. And one of the things we're looking at is what technology is required to get good imagery and why is Bigfoot blurry? A lot of cases, Bigfoot isn't blurry. And there's that whole joke. Bigfoot is, you know, and they always always have people complaining, the footage is blurry. Well, there's all kinds of factors from focal length to shutter yeah. speed. You're recording uh, on a flip phone. <laughs> digital, yeah, di- digital compression. There, there, was, there, was, there, was, there, was, there were some clear shots, like uh, the Florida skunk ape, what happened here. I mean, there was that was an extremely clear shot. And... Yep. What happens is when you get a when you get a shot that's super clear, then people it tends to be too good to be true, and people are like, ah, that's, that's right. fake. And I mean, CG, it's a suit. It's this, it, it, it looked it looked like a giant orangutan, and and even if and even if it wasn't, you know, it's real. There are no orangutans in the Florida swamps, and it definitely isn't mm-hmm. a ten foot tall, upright orangutan it, in the Florida swamps. It didn't look like an orangutan. I kind of I get what you're saying. Yeah, it had that look like an orangutan. Yeah. But it, Orangutans have that big flat face, you know, it's very round and yeah. flat and that yeah. that thing looked very different. That, you know, very interesting. That's a skunk ape, I think. I think that's a very legitimate image. Um it was stealing apples off of her porch or something, then that's how she got you know, the back porch and that's how she got the shot. As part of the documentary, we've created three different Bigfoot suits just to go into the process of what it actually takes to create a legitimate Bigfoot hoax yeah and it and it's thousands of dollars it's very difficult it's a lot of work and in most cases you're not going to be able to do the things that these creatures are doing even walking through a wood line on uneven ground is very difficult i've got a six foot seven next pro wrestler in the suit and he has a hard time getting around he gets hot very quickly we were in like i think it was negative five degree temperatures up in the mountains one time when we were doing some initial tests on this suit and this guy was sweating sweating like crazy it's very hot and then you have, you know i posted recently or reposted an older video that that i posted years ago called the lettuce lake footage and it's the lettuce lake down in florida and this bigfoot like creature is jumping at least waist deep and this snake, alligator infested water. Now, if that was a suit, it's immediately going to fill up with water. It's at least immediately going to add a lot yeah. of weight. 
no one's doing no one's doing that no one's mm-hmm. doing that you know if you look at the i don't know if you guys have seen the leaping yeti video from russia where it looks like the giant switching from bipedal to quadruped i look at a giant chimpanzee just jumping over fallen trees and all this stuff and it's like it's just impo- it's not cgi i've had multiple associates of mine that work in cgi in the film industry look at it it's not cgi which only means if it's hoax, it's got to be a suit. And I can tell you, <laughs> it's not. We've we've been working on ways of how we could replicate that footage, and it's just it's impossible. You're not going to get so, the, a human to imitate the mechanics of what's being done on that. I've even one of the first videos I posted on the Squatch Me Now Instagram is from Tigerville, which is about three miles away from where it's sitting right now, and it's this big, red-eared, conical-headed thing walking through the tree line which again that alone in a suit is hard enough but when i got into it frame by frame and put it on a big monitor this thing is carrying a deer over its shoulders it's a and it's a buck it's at least six points so you're probably talking anywhere between 100 200 250 pound deer that this so so now we're adding that difficulty to at some point occam's razor cuts the other way in my opinion yeah, we're trying to experiment with this stuff for the doc, and it's like you know this guy has a hard enough time just walking around in the suit in the woods, much less throw a a two hundred pound deer on its back and make him carry that around. Dead weight, um, <laughs> just complete dead weight. It's just not. And this this thing walked a long ways. And the other interesting thing, and you can see this in the Independence Day footage, see this in the Tigerville footage I posted, is that a lot of times its eyes are on the person filming it. So not only now we're walking through the woods, we're in a Bigfoot suit. You can't really see if you're very good out of those things. It's got a deer on its shoulders and it's not looking where it's going on uneven ground. It's I walk through the woods all the time, not in a Bigfoot suit. And and I try uh, trip over, you know, uneven ground, sticks or logs. So <laughs> a lot of these people that claim all these videos are hoaxes, you know, they're just not aware of what it really takes to hoax a Bigfoot video. It's, it's a lot more difficult than people think. And I don't post any ones that are obviously, there are, also, there are some well-known, you know, spirit Halloween suits that are out there, you know, that are a little more expensive. But I don't post anything that's obviously can be identified as any of those more well-known suits or a simple Walmart gorilla suit or something. Mm-hmm. Walmart gorilla suit. Uh, <laughs> correct. It's uh, Sean. It's Sean. You do see those, but it's, yeah. usually it's a 14-year-old kid takes the mask off the end and laughs or something. Um, yeah. high, the high school kid playing out, playing out, playing out. Right. Yeah. So, you know, this is this this has all been like insanely enlightening. And, you know, I, I really want to have another discussion with you at some point, especially talk about your about your documentary. Sure. So, you know, definitely we're going to, I'm going to reach out to you again because, like I said, we had a few technical difficulties in the in the beginning, so things kind of ran a little bit longer than they should, but man this has been seriously eye-opening and uh, what do you guys i could do this guys, for another couple hours yeah it's this has been this is this has been some really really good information and you know one day yeah i would be totally up for uh, doing an investigation one day and, and uh, yeah because I, I was gonna say i see an adventure we're gonna go sit in the woods up on a deer stand <laughs> oh you know and, and you know and, and i and you know i would i would have no problem doing a stakeout and just trying to you know getting getting out there and just trying to to, to see what well, i can even just understanding like he was saying the, the in-depth what would take to get really yeah. good photos yeah 
Yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap it up, guys. Uh, Once again, I want to thank Sean. I want to thank you, Nick. I want to thank you, Liz. And definitely want to thank you, Trey. This has been awesome. You were were awesome and and a delight to talk to. And this has been, this has really been enlightening, man. You, you You have a wealth of knowledge. Rattling, hey, around, I had rattling, fun, rattling around your head, and uh, yeah, we yeah. Had it. but th- this time, next time, you know, we won't have the the sideways video, and and <laughs> I'll figure all that. Yeah, we're all good, like the production. <laughs> yeah, I was enjoying talking with you. Yeah, yeah, okay. So uh, once again, I want to thank everybody for jumping on. Now everybody can go get some sleep or whatever else they're going to do and binge watch whatever you yeah, know, right? So you guys have a great night, and uh, thank you all very, very, very much. Sorry about the technical difficulties, and you have a good night. 